0: You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and
1: Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Hello, and thank you for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. In 2009, Anya Plutinsky was working in the philosophy department at the University of Utah, teaching classes like environmental ethics. She was in her 30s, had a young daughter, Life was moving right along. Then one day, something unexpected happened.
0: My daughter was 18 months old, and I was still nursing, and I found this lump in my chest wall, and um, I took it to my nurse midwife, who advised me to go talk to a surgeon, and I found the cancer early, thank goodness, and so it was treated with surgery and chemo and radiation.
1: The whole experience was, in Plutinsky's words, harrowing, both mentally and physically. But as a philosophy professor, in some ways it
0: was also interesting. During the whole process of this, I realized that all these treatment decisions, there are various stages where you have to decide what to do next, were really complex, and I tried reading up about it, and um, I realized that there are lots of different, interesting, hard problems about treatment decisions, and then also screening and prevention that raise a lot of interesting questions. Questions
1: like, how do people get cancer? How do you even define it? Like, is cancer one thing or a bunch of different things? At what point is it called a disease? And who makes these decisions? Plutinsky's area of expertise is the history and philosophy of science. She actually has a master's degree in biology, so she's way more equipped than most of us to do things like read up on all the latest scientific studies But even so, instead of black and white answers, the more she looked, the more she saw gray. So she decided to write a book about cancer from a philosopher's point of view, called Explaining Cancer. Then, like now, she wasn't alone in thinking about these questions. At the time, there was a major debate going on about breast cancer screening.
0: In fall of 2009, which was just after I'd gone through treatment, um, the United States Preventative Services Task Force presented their decision about screening for women in their 40s. Um, They decided that, all in all, the benefits were much higher for women in their 50s, and so women in their 40s should really just go talk to their doctor and decide if they have any specific risk factors, but they didn't recommend overall that all women in their 40s get screened.
1: A lot of people were really not happy about this decision. Women were used to getting screened in their 40s. It felt like something was being taken away. Plutinsky was intrigued by the whole debate. Of course, it was personal for her at this point, too. So she kept reading the studies and also attended a public meeting about it at
0: the Utah Department of Health. That was the most fascinating experience I ever had because, um, in, in terms of like looking at how science is done and policy is done, because people on different sides of this question were so heated, and they were actually booing and hissing each other at the Utah Public Health Department (laughs) about their various opinions on this decision from the task force.
1: To be clear, it's not like anybody at this meeting was pro-cancer. In fact, it's pretty likely that everybody there would say that they want women to be healthy, happy, and cancer-free. So why the intense anger? Plutinsky believes that debates like these are about more than just science and facts. They're often about something that you might associate more with philosophy than medicine. That is, values. She's found that when it comes to cancer, values come up over and over, even
0: before a person is diagnosed. So the first and most obvious place where values come in is deciding whether to get screened. Different places, different countries, um, different doctors even, give different screening recommendations. Um, Most women in most part of the developed world um, get screened for breast cancer starting at 50. It's only in the U.S. that um, we were screening at 40 until relatively recently when this controversy came up. So what kind of values
1: line up with not screening for breast cancer? You'd think that no matter what your values are, most people could agree that catching cancer early is a good thing. But it's not that simple. When it comes to cancer screening, a test is more than just a test.
0: There are a variety of risks associated with screening. Um, The sort of minimal risks are basically inconvenience and cost. Obviously, it costs money to get screened. Um, Someone has to get paid to assess your Mammogram, And um, in some cases, it's actually quite difficult for women to get time away from work. Um, And, of course, there's the whole issue of health insurance. Not everyone is um, equitably covered. Um, So those are genuine costs. These things
1: add up. And even if mammograms were totally free and everyone had time to do it, there are other more serious risks and costs that come up during these screenings.
0: There is also a cost of um, false positives, and that's um, anxiety. So a lot of women, in fact, 50% of the time, women who are screened in their 40s are going to be likely to find a a false positive. Um, Now that may or may not be a problem if you think, well, a little anxiety isn't bad. You go back and you get another screening, or maybe you do a biopsy and you find out it wasn't cancer after all. But for a lot of women, that's no fun, sitting around and waiting and then finding out you might have cancer and then getting a second follow-up, and then maybe even getting a CT scan. And as you progress through this process, you can get more and more invasive and do procedures that are more and more risky.
1: This process can be unpleasant and scary. But in the end, women with false positives at least don't have to go through full treatment. They don't have to have the same awful experience as those who actually have cancer. At
0: least you'd hope not, right? The most serious risk, of course, is overdiagnosis and overtreatment, and that's getting diagnosed and treated for an indolent disease or early stage disease that might never have progressed in your lifetime.
1: Not progress because not all cancers grow at the same rate or in the same way. According to Plutinsky, some just sort of hang out and cause no serious harm. Treating these cancers can actually cause more damage than the disease itself. So, knowing these risks, Is widespread screening worth it? Especially for younger women who have a lower chance of having breast cancer. How many people should suffer inconvenience, anxiety, or even physical pain and danger to make sure that one person doesn't die of cancer? Again, it comes down to values, to philosophy.
0: How do we weigh competing choices in terms of what's for the greatest good of all, Or um, is there some sort of set of principles that we have to respect no matter what, even if it isn't for the greatest good? So on on the sort of Kantian end of things, um, you might say, well, one life is priceless. Um, At the other end of the spectrum, you might say, um, we should weigh the costs and benefits and do what benefits the most people most of the time. right? So I think that these decisions about public policy with respect to screening, highlight exactly this classic issue in philosophy about how we weigh the value of a life, how we value goods and a population overall, whether we ought to sacrifice certain conveniences right, um, for some other things, I mean, yeah, the issues come up in lots of different places.
1: These kinds of value judgments can sneak up on us, partially because of the way that so many of us think about science and medicine. It's easy to think about these things as black and white, true and false. But with medical choices, no matter what decision you make, there's pretty much always some chance for error, even if it's a small chance. And to err on the side of caution means different things to different people, depending on their values.
0: This is something that philosophers of science have been thinking and talking a lot about since at least the 1960s. In fact, Richard Rudner, who taught here at Washington University, wrote a famous paper um, where he argued that the scientist's qua scientist makes value judgments. And that was his point, that whenever we decide to either choose to err for type one or type two errors, that there's a possibility that values are going to come into play, and we're going to either err on the side of caution in one direction or another. And so I think there's a case to be made that science is, in some sense, always going to be value-laden to the extent that that's a problem, that's a question. And then we have to ask, okay, what kind of values do we care about? What's Where do we want to err on, right? Should we err on the side of caution in this direction or that direction? In the case of cancer screening, this
1: can mean, should we be more cautious about preventing cancer deaths or more cautious about preventing unnecessary treatment? I was also curious to learn what Plutinsky herself thought about this debate. She's a philosopher, but remember, she's also a young survivor of cancer.
0: Interestingly enough you might think that I would be emotional on the side of we should be screening more but I actually at this point had been taking epidemiology and I had read all the research and I was kind of emotional on the other side because I had just been through cancer treatment which is harrowing. Um, You know getting your breast cut off is no fun (laughs) and then chemotherapy is also just just really, really hard. And when I read that some people might actually be over-diagnosed and over-treated for disease that might never progress, I was sort of horrified that um, we were treating people for something that may or may not be progressive or that people were taking really drastic action when a cancer isn't even invasive. Clearly, these are complicated questions with
1: a lot of emotion on all sides. So yet another important question is...
0: Who gets to make the decisions? On the policy end of the spectrum, there should be people who are expert in the science, look at all the evidence. But I also think that many of these decisions involve personal risk-benefit calculations that people have to make on their own. In order for women to feel
1: better about the process and make informed decisions, Putinsky wants to help there be a broader understanding of what cancer is and how it works.
0: When we think about cancer, ordinarily we think about it, you either have it or you don't, right? It's like pregnancy. You're pregnant or you're not pregnant. It's not like you're a little bit pregnant. Um, But what I sort of have come to realize is that all of us have cells constantly dividing in our bodies, and some of these cells bear mutations, and some of these mutations are associated with cancer.
1: At any given point, we all have a lot more of these cells than we probably
0: ever want to think about. This becomes even more true as we get older. If I wipe the skin off my face right now and I look at my hands, um, there are going to be skin cells. And some of these skin cells have as many mutations in them and some of the very same mutations as a cancer cell might have in a breast cancer. But because of the way our skin is structured, right, our skin is constantly shedding cells, these mutations don't actually, for the most part, cause problems. But as we age, the effectiveness with which we shed our skin cells right, and the effectiveness with which we are able to fight off the processes which ultimately lead to tumor makes cancer more and more common as we age. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that was the big insight for me was like, we all probably have a little bit of cancer by the time we're 50 somewhere, somehow that may or may not, you know, eventuate in a tumor. Um, And that was kind of, wow, it's a process. It's not either or.
1: Going forward, Plutinsky would like to bring these types of insights out of the classroom and to people going through cancer treatment.
0: One of the things I'd really like to investigate is um, how women make decisions about mastectomy versus lumpectomy, and I'd like to make contacts maybe with other people at WashU, hello, out there who, who would be interested in working with me um, to find out about how women make those decisions and to talk to them about how to make them better. That was one of the hardest decisions for me. And um, I think we just, a lot of women just aren't in a position to know how to think through the evidence. And, um, and so I think, that would be really fun to find out about how to help people make those decisions in more informed and autonomous ways that respect their values.
1: This sort of close look at science and public policy is important for all of us to think about, even people who are not experiencing cancer. Plutinsky is a huge fan of science and scientists and all of the huge advances that have been made to understand and treat cancer. But she's come to believe that scientific knowledge is not something that should be taken for granted or go unexamined. There's always more to learn and question.
0: I mean, one takeaway is, is I think, that, um, that we shouldn't think about science as a matter of black and white, that science is something that involves lots of iterated, partial perspectives on an enormously complex world um, that we can't hope to have the kind of certainty that I think um, many people associate with the scientific worldview. I think that that idea of certainty should have died in the 17th century when it was first suggested by people like Descartes that we could have knowledge of the natural world like as if we were, had, were in the mind of God, right? Descartes and Spinoza imagined, right? That to have true knowledge was to see things from the perspective of the God's eye view. And I think that we are not gods, right? We are um, human and we're fallible and we have always a partial and at best approximate picture of the natural world that's always progressing. and Cancer and medicine is no different. And so having that kind of humility with respect to um, the science behind cancer um, can be very fruitful both with respect to how we do science, but also how we apply science in medicine.
1: A huge thank you to Anya Platinsky for joining Hold That Thought. Her forthcoming book is Explaining Cancer, Philosophical Issues in Cancer Causation, Evidence, and Explanation. For many more ideas to explore, including more podcasts from our ongoing series on health and healing, please visit us online, holdthatthought.wustl.edu. You can also subscribe to our weekly podcasts and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.